We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Mr. Fryer, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? See, the Blackhawks have a new GM. And it's the guy that everyone expected was going to be the new GM, the youngest GM in the league. Maybe that means there's going to be new stuff. Matt Eberflus is speaking or spoke at the Combine. Ryan Poles did speak earlier. Cam Ellis does a great job of covering all things for us over here at Odyssey. You can check out his work on 670thescore.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Kingsley Ellis. He joins me now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Cam? Not a whole lot, Lawrence. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, when you were at, at NBC, did you end up going to Indianapolis at all for the Combine? No, I have, I have never been to the Combine, which apparently makes me the only human being that covers the NFL on the planet to not be in Indianapolis. Um, but no, I've never actually been there, no. Okay, I mean, I, it's it's an interesting thing. to It's... It's very weird. Uh, honestly, yeah. out of the, the NFL calendar, it was probably my least favorite thing to cover because it's it's all like it really just is like you're there to cover your team. And obviously the reporters that are there can make connections around the league, which is always a good thing. But then it's just, oh, this guy ran this time or this guy bench pressed yeah. this. It's a very strange way to to go about covering the league because what we're doing is covering job interviews. Right. Like this, the combine doesn't really matter, right? Like, like let's, let's call it what it is. It is, it is a glorious week for friends in the NFL media circles. Like it, it is an excuse to put the ribeye and the bottle of red on your company card. Like it is teams don't, teams don't really care. The best players don't necessarily always show up anymore. Like, and like what a, a reporter is going to go write a you know a feature on someone running a four eight forty like it is it, I don't really get the point of it and maybe that's just because I'm sitting on my bed and not in Indianapolis like doing it with all my coworkers but 
Uh, I don't really get it. You know, I, it's, it's good from a media availability standpoint in terms of like, it's nice to talk to Ryan Poles and hear, uh, you know, get a little more in depth on the football side of things versus, you know, just the introductory welcome to Chicago sticks. So in that sense, it's nice, but yeah, I, I don't really get it. I think it's kind of a dumb event. It, it, it did earlier today bring something about that. I thought was interesting. Ryan Poles did get a chance to talk and, it's always great when you get a chance to hear the GM and you get to hear what he's thinking. And when I had him on a, a couple of weeks ago, I said to him, like, man, we we want to see and hear you more. Like, we want to be able to understand what your vision is. He said something today that I thought was really interesting. He was saying how he wants to – they're in the process of changing the body types of their offensive yeah. line with the idea of getting faster and quicker. I love that idea. Yeah, that was the one thing that I sort of, it, it was the biggest outside of maybe Tariq Cohen's update. It was the biggest sort of double take for me. I was like, oh, interesting. It, 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 it sort of tipped off, it, for me at least, it tipped me off to a a, 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 a flaw that Poles saw with the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy era. And teams are so teams are so hesitant to talk poorly about the regime before them. And, you know, it's all very, Oh, they did a good job. We're going to do our things differently. But I thought it was, you're right. I thought it was really interesting to hear some guy, you know, the GM, excuse me, come out and say some of these guys didn't probably weren't in shape and probably didn't have the body types we want. And, you know, it, 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 it made me go back and rethink about the end of Bears seasons and try and look and go, what well, like, did they fade? Um, was, was that an issue? I, I never thought that really, it was never an issue that like, you know, jumped out of the TV screen to me, but you know, it, it was interesting to hear him say, we are going to take body types super seriously and we are going to take, you know, conditioning super seriously, because that was not something we ever heard a whole lot about with Ryan Pace and that Nagy. It's a strange thing too. And, and I, I'm, I know that I'm in danger of connecting things that might not be connected, but when, when it comes to the lack of discipline, there there are plenty of people in all sports that'll tell you a well-conditioned team is mm-hmm. less likely to be undisciplined at the end of games. Yeah, and it, it, um, it reminds me a lot of the Miami Heat. You know, like the Miami Heat love that culture of, of staying in shape and physical fitness. And there's, there's a discipline to that level of athleticism professionalism that that rises above even all the other teams and so to hear another team i I like it you know i i think there's something to be said about the discipline that goes into staying conditioned you know as as someone who ran a marathon while i was in chicago i remember thinking about like oh this is not hard it just takes discipline and and so i i like the idea of preaching discipline as the means to get in shape because because i do think that those aren't necessarily always connected when in reality there is, there, there's a huge part of, of your, of your physical fitness of your body type that involves discipline. And so, you know, I, I guess the bears, maybe some bears players didn't necessarily weren't as on board of that as polls was, it seems or is now, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it was a good first start, you know, as, as you, as you know, bears, GMs and coaches can only really fail at these at these press conferences. And so it was it was nice that not he didn't only fail that, but he gave us tidbits to talk about that weren't just the standard like his errors pointing up. You know, we're we're, we're pleased with his progress like that. That if we're gonna do this, we might as well get interesting nuggets out of it. I didn't know that you ran a marathon. When did you do that? 
I did. I ran. I was supposed to run the Chicago Marathon in 20, 2020. I the canceled one for COVID, and then I ran it this past year. Yeah, in, in October. Wow, that's fantastic, man! Congratulations. That's a that's a hell Thank of an you. accomplishment. Yeah, it was really fun for the first four hours, and the the, the last hour was less so. Uh, but yeah, it was it was like I said, you know, it was I kept saying discipline while I was doing it because like it is, it is a it is a matter of discipline. It is a it is, there is so much discipline to physical fitness, and so I I certainly do get that connection. Well, the yeah the 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 Shamrock Shuffle is coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm going to run <laughs> yeah. that. I look forward to it. It's kind of the the kickoff to the the running season in Chicago and. I, if, I, I people have not done a race in a while. Maybe they want to do that. I know that you can still register to do it. And as, as I say, for those of us who can't run very long distances, it's the same for the folks who do run the marathon. There's nothing more discouraging than Mount St. Roosevelt at the end when you're like, oh man, now I yeah. got to run up yeah. Roosevelt. Oh my God. It's why is it so high? That's not good. It is. It is just the cruelest thing. It is truly just like, hey, are you having fun? Well, you're not going to have any fun anymore. So, like, put that away because this is no longer fun, and we can promise you that. We know that you can see the finish line from here, but you're going to have to climb up this hill to get to it, and your legs are on fire. Well, that's good. Will you ever do another one? I don't know. I, at first I said no because I was like, I got it out of the way. It was It was a bucket list item, and I did it. But, like, in the months since, I've sort of been thinking, like, oh, like one more wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So I, I am not necessarily totally on board yet, but I would say that I am creeping in that direction, unfortunately. So if you want to run the Shamrock Shuffle, y'all, shamrockshuffle.com. Yeah. And get it's March 20th. It's always a fun race. Like, all of the races, I, I'm partial. Like, that one, the distance bothers me because I'm not a distance runner. But it's always a great way to kind of see the city. And they off, they're offering – virtually if you want to do it virtually like you want to do it in your own neighborhood and you don't want to be in a corral you can do it but if you do want to come downtown and run downtown shamrockshuffle.com all right now back to the football part of it all right so all right. is there anything outside of what you heard because I, I think we both agree that there was some value in what we heard from ryan poles that you would want to hear after matt eberflus is done talking in a few minutes you know, Lawrence, then we talked about this before. I was not super sold on Paul's answer about Justin Fields. You know, there, there's still some weird hedging going on, in my opinion. And maybe I am overreacting to this. But there's, you know, he, he talked about Justin Fields sort of in the same vein that he talked about Kevin Jenkins, where you're like, oh, well, like he could be good, but we don't really know where he fits into the team. And I'm like, I, that's not what I want to hear from the GM about Justin Fields. And so there have been more concrete um, approvals of, you know, signing off on Justin Fields as the future. This is not, you know, it's not some huge crisis, but there seems to be, there isn't the, you know, it doesn't seem like there's the certainty that we assumed there might be. And, and I think, you know, once I go listen to Iberflus, I, I want to see, or hear a little more of that certainty of not just, oh, we'll see how good he can be, and more so, this is what we're going to do with him and his talents. Because right now it feels so theoretical and conceptual and like he has some some goal to aspire to of Justin Fields. And I get that. He's not a finished product. But I do want to hear a little more concrete, this is what Justin Fields is good at and this is how we're going to make him even better at it. 
I noticed inside your timeline, it's not just your timeline. It, it, it has been a discussion that's gone on nationally. Where do you think Mitch Trubisky ends up? Uh, I think he ends up in Washington. Uh, it seems like that, that, that all signs are pointing that way. Um, I, I think, you know, reading today that the veteran QB market is not really going to be much of a, of a hot spot this season makes me sort of think that teams like Washington that maybe thought they made a chance of Aaron Rodgers or might, you know, if Ben Roethlisberger wasn't going to retire, swing one year of him. Like that. it doesn't seem like that's obviously going to be the case anymore. So I think that means those teams are going to pivot into the, the, the you know, the agent works narrative of, Oh, he spent one year behind Josh Allen and with Brian Dable. Like he, he knows how to run an offense now like that. That is sort of the next step of QBs on the free agent market once you don't have any, like, actually good ones left. So, like, I think he's going to go to Washington. I could see, I could see New Orleans before, um, before they switch coaches just because, you know, everyone that goes to Sean Payton becomes a great QB, apparently. And, but now that he's not there, I, I don't see that as making as much sense. So, I think Washington, I like to see it. I like Let's see Mitch compete in a in a um, in a training camp that actually is like a real competition and not totally staged across the board and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited about it, but I'm not super sold on this being a real thing. You cover a little bit of everything, so let me let me spray yeah. to two different fields here. What did you think okay. about what you saw from the Bulls last night versus Miami? In what sense? Just generally? Yeah, about the, the like what what was like upsetting about them getting dog walked by the Heat? <laughs> just like that like if a team is 39 and 23 you probably don't want to get dog walked ever but like you also don't want to get dog walked by your competition in the east and so i think it's just yeah like it's 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 the way the bulls play to their competition i should excuse me don't play to their competition that i think i was like oh okay like you you want to assume that the bulls are capable of going into miami with a team that's only two games better than them and and hanging on and, and it seems like every once in a while they still lay one of these eggs where you're like, oh, like, are they quite there yet? And I think the answer is probably yes by the end of the year. But on March, you know, February 28th, March 1st, to still sort of lay duds like that. You're like, uh, like, it's not, it's not necessarily what I would want to see if I was, if, if I was pulling as hard for the Bulls as I know lots of other people are. And the other thing is, here we are close to 90 days of a lockout between the major mm-hmm. league owners and the major league players association the owners have locked the players out it looked like there was a lot of momentum they negotiated for 13 hours yesterday and now they're back at the table with the imposed deadline i'm using air quotes by the way yeah Uh, imposed deadline of four o'clock hour time to get a deal done what have you thought about the way that this has gone down and kind of where we're at at their imposed finish line for this it, everything just feels so arbitrary to me. Like, yeah, first of all, when you're the owners, you lock the players out and then set a deadline and you're like, this is what it's going to be. Sorry. And then you don't talk to them for 80% of the time up to that deadline and then sort of start moaning about how you have to do a 13 hour negotiation. So I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you like take it from someone who has procrastinated several very important life events for, you know, across the board. When you, when you're sitting in the library at two 30 in the morning, you're like, Oh, maybe I should have started before the night before. Like that would have made a whole lot of sense. So it just feels so 
lazy on the owner's side and, and in bad faith on the owner's side. And, and, you know, I think the players are doing a better job, but I, I think the players are fighting that inevitable tide of fan um, exhaustion and fans not fan, – players have always lost the, the messaging side of this until now. And I think fans are starting to not buy into the millionaires versus billionaires and, you know, all that sort of outdated language that the owners – pay, you know, an arm and a leg for some PR firm to push out there. I think something's going to get done. I have concerns that the momentum towards the deal is going to push the players into, you know, agreeing to things that maybe they wouldn't have a couple weeks ago just because they want the win of a deal. I, I don't think we're going to lose games. It seems like there's some sort of creeping optimism happening, but, it, you know, the owners didn't do themselves any favors this time around in terms of public relations and in terms of public image. And maybe they don't care, you know, when you're a billionaire, it doesn't really matter what the public thinks about you, but it, it it's just frustrating because it all could have gone so much easier if any part of this had been in good faith. Cam, as always, I appreciate when we get a chance to chat. Thanks for jumping on the show today. Of course. I'll talk to you later. That is Cam Ellis. You can check him out on Twitter at Kingsley Ellis. And you can read his work on 670thescore.com. I want to get back into the Bulls loss from last night. There were some things, that, just some observations that I had from the game that I wanted to talk about. We'll have our two-minute report. We'll break it all down. We will talk Bulls with you next here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. It's time for the two-minute report. Two minutes. What? Not one, but two. Oh, say less. It's time for the two-minute report on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Can't wait. Pass Robinson. Vincent, top side three. Got it. Another but net. Miami went side to side, right quarter, left quarter in front to Vincent. Throws and double pump. Foul line left, 15 footer. Got it. You know what? Go after Tyler here. You know, I want to know when the last time the Bulls scored a bucket. Inside the paint, Thompson jump hook, right hand no. Put back right handed slam. Javante Green. Out of bayou at the top of the key. The handoff to Duncan Robinson. Robinson to 
Butler, right corner, Vincent on a pump, on a drive, and a crossover with an up and under on DeRozan, freezes it, count it, and a foul. What a play by Gabe Vincent. Miami without a bayou and a lob for Butler up two-handed touch off the glass, count it, and a foul. That play, I was watching that play unfold, and it looked like he was slow motion. Miami, here's Butler again, charges in from the right angle, shot rejected, retains to Adebayo, right through the paint, and throws it down with a two-handed, vicious slam dunk. And Miami has moved two games over the Bulls for the top spot in the Eastern Conference. They win the season series with a game left at the United Center, and the final score, 112-99 Miami. We have to get battle-tested in some of these games, and we just don't have a lot of guys that have gone into this kind of experience, right? And I think it's really, really good for us. I look at it that way. So when you say it's concerning, I think it's not concerning as much as, you know what, it's shining a light on what really goes into this, you know? And I think, like, tonight, um, we didn't shoot the ball particularly well. When you play against good defenses, that's going to happen, right? Well... They definitely played against a team that is a willing defensive team. And that's one of the differences you see between Miami and the Bulls. I still think, I I disagree with Cody a little bit. I actually think that the Bulls can match up with Miami. They just didn't last night. And I would love to see what it looks like inside of a series. The Bulls lost last night, and I mean, the score wasn't indicative of, to me at least, it wasn't indicative of how badly they got beat. They got beat 112 to 99. It never felt that close. Never. From from the second quarter on, you're like, "Ooh, boy." Cuz I mean, Miami jumped on them initially and then there was a pushback by the Bulls towards the end of the first quarter. And then from the second quarter on, it seemed like every time they got the ball, the shooting percentages were not that far off for the two teams, but it felt like every time Miami got the ball in a half-court set, that they were going to make their bucket, and the Bulls were not. What we saw with DeMar DeRozan yesterday was, this is what a playoff series could look like. It could look like really excellent. I think Eric Spolstra is an excellent coach. Not good, excellent. And him saying, we're going to make life really difficult for him. And it's not just saying, well, we're going to double and try to trap. We saw Atlanta do that. Atlanta tried to to double and, and trap on DeRozan. Memphis did a good job of doing it, too. Now that the Bulls, more than having it on tape, understand that this is going to be the strategy, the defensive strategy of other teams is going to be to get the ball out of their hands. There have been moments, like in the Atlanta game, when they tried it, where what DeMar did is he went to the high post and then started passing out of the post. There's a little bit of that, too, inside the Memphis game, but he eventually just kind of clicked on. I did that for the ping thing, too. Ping! He eventually kind of clicked on. What am I, Thanos? And started making shots. If he's not going to have one of those nights where he's making contested shots and it opens up because then they have to sag off of him, other guys have got to get involved. I do think that, and Bill Winnington said it in the postgame last night, and I thought that he was spot on. 
He was saying that there's some stop and watch that goes on. Oh, you got it? Here, this was Bill last night on the postgame explaining what happens in half court in particular when DeMar has the ball. We're getting a little stagnant now, just kind of watching, waiting, not wanting to crowd DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine for that point uh, at the rim. And I think the guy, we, we got to get that movement back. We have to win as a team. We can't just wait for DeMar DeRozan to take over every single night because teams are keen on him. And Chuck and I talked about it during the game, Zach, that when DeMar comes off a screen or gets the ball, they got a man on him, and if they don't jump him right away, they got the other two guys on the wings because the Bulls are all spread out along the three-point line pinching the, the foul line. So there's really nowhere for him to drive to the basket one-on-one. And he's going to have three guys on him. And it just makes it hard. And I think the Bulls have kind of fallen into that trap because DeMar was so good for so many games that we're standing around watching a little bit too much offensively. Some of the floor geometry, and that was Bill Winnington last night on the Bulls post-game show, uh, some of the floor geometry would lend itself to people dive-cutting to the basket. And we're not seeing that. Zach Levine at 22 last night, and it was on, I think, 50% shooting. It felt so quiet. It, it, it really did. It felt like it was little to no impact on the game on him getting 22 points. I also thought Miami's guys were up for the challenge, and that's not to say that the Bulls are not. There have been plenty of nights where, whether it's Javante Green or Ayo Desumu, that we've talked about Bulls players that aren't stars, like, being up for the challenge. Tyler Hero kind of goes in, like he's got star potential, but I don't think he's a star, and he had star moments last night. Max Struess, I got a chance to to call Max Struess' games in college. I love the player that he's turned into. Miami was the perfect spot for him to end up. I know that he had a little bit of time here, but Miami was the perfect spot because he's a he is a tireless worker. And the way that Miami, like the Heat way, the way that they go about player development is they challenge you to get the most out of your talent. And he he's a guy that is a, a quasi-NBA player, like talent-wise. But if you're willing to put in the work, similar to Io, you can make a long and lucrative career. Max can jump out of the gym, too. And you saw that on the turnover that he had where he comes back down and then he blocks the shot. So there's a lot that the Bulls have to, they have to try to figure some of this stuff out. And while I appreciate Billy Donovan giving giving life to what some of the problems are, it is now incumbent upon him to figure out how to make the Bulls better. If all of us who have watched the last three games of Bulls basketball have identified some of the problems, I appreciate the coach saying that this is what the problem is. I now need him to go about remedying it. The Bulls had problems last night after timeout, out-of-bounds plays. They were stifled. That's what the Heat did to them defensively. Yes, Brandon? Wouldn't you say, though, that having Lonzo, I don't want to use the excuse like everybody else, like, oh, the player's all been injured, but it does seem like it just becomes iso ball, very like similar to last year when Levine would just take the ball, dribble, and everybody just watched. Now they're doing that with DeMar. But right, you like- but, you have, but you have Zach there. So it should be 
you should be able, like, that should be a pressure release valve that it Zach, for a big portion of his Bulls career, was doing it alone. And now there is one guy for sure and supposedly two guys that can help in that process. But the offense doesn't look as fluent. Like, even when you had Lonzo there, it's kind of he more sets the offense with him. And obviously he plays good half-court defense, but he sets them better on half-court because last night they half-court looked horrible. Well, that's not really Lonzo's game, though. Lonzo is your transition point. He's not your half-court point. Like, in half-court, that's where if you're looking for improvement, like how Lonzo can become, can maximize the player that he already is, it's him being better at directing what goes on in half-court offenses. Transition, I I think he's as scary as anybody in transition because he can finish at the rim, he can shoot a three, and he's really, he's got good court vision to distribute the ball. There was a lot of standing around. And I don't mean guys, they weren't out at the zoo, but they weren't moving towards the basket. I, they were engaged. I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that Bulls players weren't engaged. I'm saying that they weren't looking at this as like, we've got to figure out a way. It can't be DeMar. This is a night when it's not going to be him. Now, they had 10 games where it was him. And all they needed to do was get out of the way. You can run a high screen roll with him and let him work. You can run one four flat and let him work. Nope. This was a game where when they came across half court and um, what's the kid's name? The, the twin, Caleb Martin. He did a great job on DeMar last night. A great job. They were picking him up in the backcourt. And, and every little bit of that is extra juice. They where he has to expend energy to just get the ball to the front court. They were defending him. I would say it wasn't 94 feet. It wasn't Nolan Richardson. But they were defending him 75 feet last night. And the Bulls and Billy Donovan have got to figure that out because there's now film on what to do. Let's give a little escort pressure. If DeMar's going to bring the ball up, to initiate the offense. We'll give a little bit of of extra escort pressure to him. And we're going to try to trap him as he goes across half court so the ball comes out of his hands. That means that secondary and tertiary pass has got to be quick and decisive, and guys have got to go to the basket. So we'll see if the Bulls are able to do that. But the last three games, one they won because he went off. And he found himself in the third quarter of the Memphis game. And then this game against a team that is that would love to impose their will defensively on you, they were able to do it. So what's the Bulls' counter? That's like the next thing. This was DeMar last night talking about the loss and, and how it doesn't feel good when, when things aren't going the way that they had been going. Man, sometimes need to be battle tested, you know. And we we've been that first of top teams in this league. You know, we take a lot from that. We understand, you know, a lot of the teams that we we've been facing, they they kind of been through it. You know, most of most of us haven't. You know, we haven't been healthy. You know, we've been trying to figure out a lot. So with that, you know, we understand the challenges. 
we understand what we need to do, how we need to be better. You know, and I got the utmost confidence. And we all do that. We're going to bounce back from it and understand what it's like playing against these top top tier teams. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you need you need adversity versus versus challenge to understand and really see what you made of and you know how hard it, it really is to win winning this league. You know, it's, it's one thing to be good. It's another thing to really win, you know, and, and we see it when we play against a team like tonight. Um, well coached, um, Jill played together, you know, just two years ago, they was in the finals, you know. Um, so we learn a lot from that. And guys do, you know, um, everybody, you know, once we walk in that locker room, everybody upset with the loss. So with that, everybody understand how we need to respond. You know, everybody eager just to watch film, get back in the gym and figure out how we can fix this. Is there a level of concern with 20 games left and that's still a couple weeks away from the No, no, not a concern at all. Why not? What for? I just got the utmost confidence in the guys. I do. Myself and the guys. And, you know, as these next couple of weeks go by, being able to get guys back, that's going to be another, you know, second win for us emotionally, physically, um, and just even more change team once we get those guys back as well. So um, even before those guys come back, I'm not worried. But I know once those guys come back, the, the energy in this team will definitely heighten up even more just to have those guys back. You look at the Bulls' three-point shooting from last night, too. 7-29. to 29, It's not going to get it done. Not even close. Not even close. And DeMar took two threes, and that's not really what he does. Like, he's very selective. You're in a in a much better position offensively when DeMar can be selective on when he shoots threes. And it might be a three here, three there. It might be two games that go by where he doesn't. But you need it to be him getting a great look and being in rhythm and shooting it. Vooch had one of those nights where he wasn't a factor from the perimeter and he wasn't enough of a factor in the post. He's he's the most interesting player on this team to me because I think he's capable of more than we get nightly from him, if that makes any sense. I Let me put it this way to make it try and make sense. I think that he is capable of being more consistent than he is. They need to go to that move. I think Stacy said it last night. Pretty much, give me the ball down low, back you up, little hook shot. That's that's his game. I remember that in Orlando, and he don't do too much of that with the Bulls. Part of the problem, and this goes to some of the Bulls' problems in half court. I've been talking about this. Will Purdue has made a couple of mentions of it. Stacy has talked about it in length. The Bulls are not great at entry passes to the post. And I think you're right. I think it's a way that they could do a better job of, of initiating and establishing Vooch as an offensive weapon, but they're not great at it. And it's simple stuff. Like, like doing it is not simple, but I mean, it's taking a step and hooking the pass, the bounce pass around so that the big can get it in the space that they want. The Bulls, you'll see it. Like the next Bulls game, if they haven't improved on it, you'll see it where someone will have the ball on the wing and Vooch is begging for the ball in the post and they'll kind of like fake it 
but not use the fake to get him the ball. Like you would think, I'm going to fake high, so I'm going to get my defender's hands up in the air, and then I can wrap around the defender and get the, the nice, crisp bounce pass to Vooch. They're not particularly good at it. So you're right. That's a way to, to, to use a weapon like Vooch in the post. But it would mean that the Bulls would have to recognize what's happening and then execute. Like, make it so that those passes, like, and that's what a team like Miami is really good at. They're good on the execution part of it. They preach it. They teach it. It's, it's all about effort, execution. And when you add in some talent, and they got a couple of guys that are super talented, it ends up being an ass-kicking for your favorite basketball team. Something good happened out of something bad. I'll explain next here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. It was pretty ridiculous when Grambling made the uh, announcement that Art Bryles was going to be their offensive coordinator. And, of course, they did it in kind of disgusting fashion because it was right in the middle of the attacks on Ukraine. So it was like the ultimate like news dump. I'm happy to report that Grambling and Art Bryles are no longer connected. That even after Hugh Jackson's ridiculous statement that he put out through the Hugh Jackson Foundation that the chorus of people telling you why this was wrong were listened to. Whether it was me or Stephen A. I can't believe me and Stephen A. were on the same side of something, but we were. Or Doug Williams, who seemed like he was fighting back tears of anger hearing that Art Bryles had gotten a job at Grambling. It's disgusting on a lot of different levels. It's disgusting because he presided over what is one of the biggest college football scandals in history. And for that person to then try and get redemption at Grambling, it's disgusting. It was disgusting because Hugh Jackson was running around here acting like he hadn't done anything wrong. And it was disgusting that whether it was qualified white candidates who were trying to make their bones in the business or black candidates who usually have to go to HBCUs to be given an opportunity that every one of those candidates was jumped over so that he could bring Art Bryles to Grambling. Good on the people who spoke up. Good on the people that put pressure on the administration at Grambling. He should have never been there. And you, Jackson, you're on the clock now, too. Talk with Parkins and Spiegel next here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. 
Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.